that just got prayed, love of God, overflow, permeate on my soul. Uh, you got to think about that for just a minute. That means you got to let go of your prejudices. means that you have to let go of your fears, of your preconceived notions about other people and about yourself. You know, I don't know. God doesn't trick us, okay? But I think sometimes we trick ourselves. We go, well, let's just all sing this. And then a few weeks down the road, something happens. We go, why is this happening? And God says, uh, <clears throat> you prayed it. I'm just doing it. Just giving you an opportunity to, to flow in it here. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good, dangerous prayer. That's a good, dangerous prayer to pray. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Woo. Yeah, this is a... Is this summertime yet? It, 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 it's it's kind of it's feeling like it a little bit, I think. <laughs> but you know what? I am so okay with that. I just really am. I've already cut my grass twice. We're going to talk about gifts of understanding today. Would you stand with me and let's read a passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And you may go, well, we read this just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, well, we're going to read it some more too. Until we get to know it now about spiritual gifts brothers I do not want you to be ignorant you know that when you were pagans somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He gives them to each one just as He determines. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for the presence of your spirit. And I pray, Father, that you would do something in our lives today. Do something in each one of us, Lord God. I pray that we would be sensitized to what the Holy Spirit, the way he wants to move our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Put a green ribbon on it because yesterday was St. Patrick's Day. And uh, somebody was asking me, actually it was Chris, it was Chris Morgan's, uh, I guess, fiance, girlfriend, whatever. Um, she's moved back to South Africa. So why do y'all celebrate St. Patrick's Day of all things in this country? Does anybody know the answer to that? Okay, yeah, because it's awesome. That's, that's the, 
<laughs> that's, that's the answer. <laughs> Well, I would tell you, but it's, it's kind of boring, the answer is. Uh, anyway, I'm teaching about the gifts of the Spirit to make you aware of what is available to you. Uh, people tend to go to one extreme or, or another with the gifts. And when they do, things get, things get weird. But I think a lot of Christians just aren't aware of what's, what's at their disposal. Just aren't aware of what's out there. This isn't for the super Christian club, as I was pointing out a couple of weeks ago when I was teaching on this passage. This is for any believer, any believer whatsoever. Say, well, don't you have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to have these? Well, no, you have to be saved. Because if, you, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit's in you, and the Holy Spirit's the one who gives these gifts, and, and there's not anywhere where he says, okay, but you got to meet this qualification first. Uh-uh. No, he... He gives them, and these are available to you. The two extremes that people go to, one of the extremes is people going just after the stuff. And you know what I mean by the stuff. And if, if the stuff isn't happening, then it's like, well, why did we even go to church? If nothing happened. I grew up in a, in a situation where, uh, you know, if you went... A number of weeks without somebody doing something crazy there'd be somebody else grew up in that situation too if you, if you grew up if you went a number of weeks without somebody doing something crazy then there would be a bunch of, of people going well let's just write Ichabod over the door the Spirit of the Lord has departed this place is gone because no stuff seemed to be happening John Wimber was, uh, he's gone home to be with the Lord now but he uh, started a, uh, a movement in California called the Vineyard. And, uh, and, and Wimber himself actually was, was pretty balanced about all this. About all this. Uh, some of his followers ended up fairly unbalanced, but, but, but he was pretty balanced about it. But I remember a, a number of years ago seeing some television show where he was being interviewed. They were, they were talking to him about, about his life and, and about things. And he... Uh, and he talked about when he first got saved. Now, he came out of the music um, uh, business in Southern California in the 60s. So, hello. And, uh, and he got saved. And this was the very beginnings of the charismatic movement. And I think he got saved in, in, in like a charismatic revival or something. And he started going to church. And he went for a few weeks. And no stuff was happening. And so, he went up to one of the ushers at the church and said, Where do you do the stuff? And the, and the guy said, um, what? And, I, and the reason I know this is because I heard Wimber say it on this interview. Uh, the guy goes, what, what stuff are you talking about? The stuff, man, the, you know, the, the healings, the miracles, the, the prophecies. Where where's that stuff happen? And the guy said, well, uh, we, we don't do that here. And Wimber said, oh, man, come on. I gave up drugs for this. <laughs> And like I say, he kind of he got it balanced. But, but there, a lot of times, once people realize that there is stuff, then that's, you know, that's exactly what they're, you know, what they're looking for. And if stuff isn't going on, it's kind of like, well, what, everything, is, everything is dead here. But it's not necessarily that way. I think when I first really learned this lesson 
was when I uh, met Margaret, and especially after we got married. Now, Margaret grew up in the Presbyterian church, and there's not a lot of stuff going on in most Presbyterian churches. And, uh, but she seemed to be a nice enough Christian girl anyway, and she had, she had gotten a baptism of the Holy Ghost, and she was, you know, she was aware of this stuff. But her parents, her parents ain't never done no stuff. Aren't going to do any stuff. I know it's bad. I, I, was, I, I don't usually use bad English. Okay. Uh, aren't going to do any stuff. But I discovered after a while, these people read their Bible every day. Prayed every day. Were real serious about the stewarding of their lives and the way that they ordered them toward God. And Margaret's dad, of all the of all the people I've ever known that show the grace and the mercy and the love and, and the fruits of the Spirit being manifested in his life uh, toward others. I mean, he's he he might be the very top of the list. He's he's pretty close to it for sure. And so it it kind of occurred to me that. You know, it might not necessarily always be about stuff. God may do some things that don't look like the stuff. And it might be real important in somebody's life. The other extreme are those who just totally ignore the fact that there are, that there are there's stuff. That there, that there are gifts of the Spirit, things to be done in, in their lives. My dad, <laughs> my dad was a hoot. And I am Hoot Jr. Yeah, I think I think I'm gonna I think I'm getting some of that, especially the older that I get. But but my dad was one of these guys that if it was invented after the Second World War, it was just a total mystery to him. Do any of you have ancient parents? Yeah, you probably know what I'm talking about. I, I know my dad wanted to write a book. He wanted to write about his life, and I really wish that he had. In fact, I wished it so much that I got, him, I got him a word processor. <laughs> Boy, did that... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and the reason that I got it was because we couldn't find any uh, uh, ribbons for his typewriter. <laughs> but the way he typed, he needed a word processor, you see. But, I, you know, and, and if you got him a microwave that had a knob on it, that worked. But if it were buttons, every time I'd go over there, he'd go, the, the time on this thing is wrong. This thing doesn't, the clock is all messed up. And I go, Dad, there's, there, it's never 3417. <laughs> Those are numbers you punched in there. That's not the clock. <laughs> This is a man who spent six months watering an artificial plant. <laughs> and he was amazed at how, how beautiful that thing was. It just... <laughs> but that's what you're supposed to do with plants. <laughs> oh, I'm just like him. I love him. But what I'm saying is that a lot of believers, you, you know, there's, there, are, there are things at their disposal that they absolutely will have nothing to do with, either because they don't know about it or because it's just such a mystery. It's just such a mystery. I can't, 
I'm not going to, I don't want to get involved in that. And what I want to do, what I'd like to do is, is maybe help trim some of, the, some of the mystery away. You can fly. You don't have to walk. Because the Holy Spirit's got some things that are available to you in your Christian life. God came to Solomon and told him to ask for anything he wanted. And most of you are aware that Solomon asked for wisdom. Wisdom to lead Israel. And I've always thought that was a brilliant answer because it is a brilliant answer. And God thought it was a brilliant answer as well because God, God said, because you have asked for this, because you didn't ask for long life and you didn't ask for riches and you didn't ask for the death of your enemies but you asked for wisdom guess what i'm going to give you long life and i'm going to give you riches and i'm going to give you the the death of your enemies and i'm going to give you wisdom because wisdom contains those things and the reason why i want to emphasize that for just a minute is that the gifts of understanding are not the things that tend to that tend to excite us about the supernatural gifts it's the miracles, the, the healing, those, those things that you, can, that you can really step out there and see. But knowledge and wisdom and, and discernment, those things are not things that totally excite us. And by the way, these are supernatural. This isn't something that comes by, by uh, experience. It's not something that comes by, by study. I mean, experience can bring wisdom, a wisdom. Study can certainly bring knowledge. Intuition can give you a certain discernment, but th these, are, these are beyond that. This is, this is a supernatural gifting that is beyond that. Understanding is where it all starts. It's the foundation. Over in Proverbs 3, very quickly, 13 through 17, it says, Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. You may want a miracle, and you may need a miracle, and it might be great to have a miracle, but it can't compare with having wisdom and understanding. You may need a healing or desire healing. Nothing you can desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. And I think Solomon found this out because God said, because you've asked for wisdom, I will give you long life. I will give you riches. I will put your enemies at peace with you. Proverbs 4, 7, wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. These are, these are important. And so what I want to do is look at these three gifts of understanding. Knowledge, wisdom, and discernment. Knowledge. Knowledge is, the gift of knowledge is the supernatural revelation of a fact. I'll give you some examples. A couple of weeks ago, it might have, even, might have even been a little further back than that, uh, I talked about uh, the situation of Naaman being healed of leprosy. Uh, going down, dipping seven times in the Jordan River. Elisha sent him down to do that. And, but really what we were talking about was Elisha's servant, Gehazi. Coming back after that, y'all remember that? Wow. The first service was clueless. But 
there are 12 of y'all who remember me talking about that. Uh, very briefly, quickly, I'll bring you up to speed. Uh, Naaman offered money after he, got, after he got healed and was all excited about it. He said, uh, you know, here, I brought all these things. He actually brought 750 pounds of silver and 150 pounds of gold and, and, and 10 sets of clothes and offered these to Elisha, and Elisha wouldn't take any of them. And, and as a result... Well, I, partly as a result, I, I think it sort of put the oomph behind it. Naaman went, well, let me just worship the Lord. Can I worship the Lord uh, the rest of my days? And Elisha goes, yeah, that'll, that'll work. And Naaman takes off. And Gehazi gets to thinking, and he goes, my master was too easy on this Aramean. I'm going to get something from him. And he goes off after him and, and says, um, uh, a couple of the sons of the prophet have come to visit, and Elisha... Wants, wants to know if you would give them a talent of silver and uh, two sets of clothes. And Naaman says, here, take two talents of silver and two sets of clothes. And that's 150 pounds of silver, by the way. So he, he assigned some servants to help him take it back. And, and he did. And boy, what, a, what an opportunity was lost on, on all kinds of different levels. Gehazi, who virtually none of you have heard of, was to Elisha what Elisha was to Elijah. And that is that when Elijah passed off the scene, Elisha said, I would like a double portion of your spirit. And he got it. Gehazi was in line. He was next in line until this happened. And who knows what that did to to Naaman. I mean, I'm sure Naaman continued to worship the Lord, but I mean, what what kind of a of a parlor would that put over that whole experience you know not only did i get healed he wouldn't take any money or anything for it oh well no he'll take a little bit of money this god's pretty cheap anyway where where we're going is gehazi goes and stands in elisha's presence and after what had to be a few minutes of excruciating silence Elisha says, where have you been, Gehazi? Because he knows where Gehazi's been. How do you know that? That's a word of knowledge. That's what, there was another time in in Elisha's ministry, there was a a Shunammite lady who was barren, and and, uh, Elisha prophesied over her and her husband, and and she conceived and had a child. Later on, the child died. And on the day that the child died, she had the, her donkey saddle and she rode off to find Elisha. And she went and found him. And when she got there, she was totally distressed. And this was obviously before Naaman because Gehazi was still with him. And he said, here, take my cane and my, my staff and go and lay it on the child. And she still wouldn't let go of him. And he, and he said, you know, something is troubling her, but the Lord has hidden it from me. Now, these are the words of a man who's pretty used to the Lord revealing things to him, letting him know things. So, so he, he clearly operated quite a bit in, in, in the gift of knowledge. When Daniel translated, well, translated, interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream and not only interpreted it, but told him what the dream was, how did he find that out? It, it was a word of knowledge. It, it was a gift of knowledge. Jesus, with the, with the woman at the well, uh, he, he said, give me a drink. And she said, well, you're, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Jews don't have anything to do with Samaritans. And he said, well, 
uh, if you knew who was asking, you would ask him, and, and, and he would give you living water. She says, well, where can you get this living water? This is a deep well. You don't even have a, a bucket to dip in it. He says, well, everybody who drinks from this water is going to be thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I give him will never thirst. And she goes, well, I'm, now I'm interested. <laughs> you know, I'd like to have some of that. And he said, well, go get your husband. I haven't got a husband. Ah, you just spoke the truth. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. How do you know that? Word of knowledge was given to him. When, when Ananias and Sapphira came to Peter and, and brought money and said, we sold our land and this is everything we sold it for, we're giving it to the church, Peter uh, goes, no, this not. Why, why are you lying to the Holy Ghost? How did he know that? So it's word of knowledge. And it didn't just happen in the Bible. I have uh, a couple of friends named Bob and Peggy Huey. Uh, some, of, some of you know them. And Huey and, and his wife are some of the most interesting people on the face of the planet. Uh, when, when, when Huey got saved, he was some kind of big roller in, in some corporation. He sold everything he had gave it all away to the poor, and he and Peggy moved down to Florida and lived on the beach. I don't know how you do that, but they did. And, um, and, then, the, and then the Lord just kind of took it from there. They, he managed Koinonia for a while, a bookstore up in Nashville, and uh, pastored a church for a while. He's done everything. Most of the time, they just travel around the world and... and Pray for people and bless people and give money away and they have no visible source of income. So, go, go figure. Well, I ran into, in fact, we saw them in Zimbabwe. Margaret looked out, out the window one day and Bob and Peggy Huey are standing at the end of our, our driveway. And they're coming for supper. We didn't even know they were in the country. Uh, and I ran into him a couple of weeks ago in, in, uh, in Murfreesboro somewhere and he got to talking to me and, and gave me a book, and I began to, to read his book. It was about some of their experiences. And one of the experiences, he was talking about a lady who came to, um, to them to be prayed for for healing. She had a chronic ailment. I don't remember what it was. But when she came in, uh, actually, first of all, there was a gift of discernment at work because he thought there's, there's something about the occult in this woman's life. And he said, have you ever had any dealings with the occult? And she went, I sing in the choir at First Baptist Church. And he said, well, that's very nice, but that's not what I ask you. <laughs> have you ever had any dealings with the occult? I have been a Christian for, for over 20 years. I, I tithe, I go to church regularly. That's very nice, but that's not what I ask you. You had any dealings with the occult? No, 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 I've, I haven't had any dealings with the occult. And then he got a word of knowledge. Have you ever heard of Edgar Cayce? Oh, yeah, I love Edgar Cayce. In fact, I've got a reading room in my, in my house where we, where we do Edgar Cayce readings all the time. Ah, there it is. Yeah, I told her, go home, get rid of that, renounce that, you'll be well. And, and, that, and that's what happened. But it's a word of knowledge. Now, it's not always that spectacular. I want to tell the kids for a little while. I know that there's some kids over here, so I'm going to kind of look both places. Does it ever feel like you, mom and dad have the gift of knowledge operating in their lives? Well, let me, let me just tell you, uh, that's not supernatural. 
In fact, let me let you in on a secret. They know virtually everything you do. I mean, you know, you don't really think so when you're a kid, when you're a teenager. You get to be a parent and you discover, yeah, they know. They're not telling you half of what they know about you and about what you do. And the reason that they know is they know you. They know you so well and they know themselves and you're a lot like them and they've been where you are. You go, oh no, things were different back then. They're exactly the same. The the toys are different. Everything else is the same. It absolutely is. And so, you know, right, they're not right 100% of the time, but 95% is not bad. And they're, it's about 95% probably where they got it pegged. They got it nailed. Uh, Now, to the parents, you know what? God will give you a word of knowledge if you need one. Ask. Ask. There'll be times when you kind of go, okay, I know something's going on. I know I, I just got this thing in my heart from my child, but the Lord has hidden it from me. Actually, it's your child who's hidden it from you. Ask. Ask. That's what I mean. You can fly. You don't have to walk. Okay, I took more time on that than I, than I was going to, but that, that's, that's the gift of knowledge. Let's look at the gift of wisdom. Wisdom is the supernatural revelation of a course of action. It's not the revelation of a fact. It's the revelation of a course of action. Uh, very, very quickly, some, some examples here. Uh, the... Joshua had led the children of Israel across the Jordan River and they were outside of Jericho and this tall, imposing town with these massive walls. You know, and they're supposed to take Jericho. I'm not quite sure how to do it. The Lord comes to Joshua and says, here's what you're going to do, Joshua. Here is the battle plan. You're going to march around the city walls with the priest leading and carrying the ark. You're going to march around the city walls one time every day for six days and not say anything and then on the seventh day you're going to march around seven times and at the end of the seventh time the priests are going to blow the trumpet everybody's going to yell and the walls are going to fall down flat and don't you know joshua was thinking why didn't i think of that (laughs) and of course the reason why he didn't think of that was because none of the military schools in the Middle East in those days taught that kind of strategy. And in fact, none of them teach that kind of strategy today because it's not something that comes from a natural wisdom. It's something that is is supernaturally imparted. And it was was supernaturally imparted to Joshua. Jesus, the miraculous catch of fish. Uh, He did it twice, and I love it. The first time... He's in Peter's boat, he's teaching, and when he gets through teaching, he says, uh, Peter, let's push out here and, and go fishing. And Peter goes, Lord, we fished all night. Before you got here, we fished all night, caught nothing. This isn't the right time of day to catch fish, and there aren't any fish out there. But because you say so, I'll do it. And you know what happened? They went out there, they, they, they dipped the nets, they, they caught so many fish, it was causing the boat to sink. There are things in our life that we think we know how to do. I got this. I know how to do this. I have done this 
hundreds of times. And sometimes God will come along and say, do it, do it, do it this way. Or do it again. Lord, I, I, I prayed for that scores of times. I've been prayed for. I know you have. Be prayed for now. What was the, what was the lyric? Uh, even when I don't understand, I, I will trust you. Choose you. Choose you. Yeah. I actually like the second time that he had the miraculous catch of fish. Jesus comes, uh, Peter and some of the disciples, this is after the resurrection, are out and they're, and they're fishing and they fish all night. They catch nothing. When will these guys ever learn? Jesus is standing on the shore and he says, throw the net on the other side of the boat. Ha! Fish swim. It's a big lake. It's a little boat. This side of the, that side of the, there aren't any fish on this side of the boat, but they're on that side of the boat. <laughs> but they do, and of course, the, the nets begin to tear because there are 153 large fish in them. Just happen to be swimming on that side of the boat. That's, that's a word of wisdom in our lives, mine and Margaret's life. Now, let, let, me, let me give one more example, because this might be very helpful to somebody. Nathan was prophet during David's ministry. Uh, David's ministry. That was a ministry. David was also king. Uh, his reign. And, you know, David had messed up big time. He'd committed adultery with Bathsheba, and he had had Uriah murdered to cover it up. And I don't know how Nathan knew that. It could have been a word of knowledge that operated there for him to find that out. Uh, or maybe he just heard some scuttlebutt around the palace. I, I don't know. But he knew it. The question was, now what do you do about it? And God gave him a beautiful word of wisdom on how to, how to deal with this. He comes to David and he tells him a story. He says, there were t there's, two, there's two guys. One of them is rich and has all these flocks and, and, and herds and everything. And, then, and he lives next door to this real poor guy who's only got this one little lamb. And, and the rich guy had guests come, and rather than taking any of his flocks, he, he went and, and got the lamb of the poor guy and slaughtered it to feed his, his guest. What should we do about that? And David said, such a man doesn't deserve to live. And Nathan goes, you're right. You're the man. That was a word of wisdom on how to bring that. Ever have to have a difficult conversation with somebody? A boss, a spouse, a child, a parent? Ask God. Ask God, how do I do this? Well, how do I put this together? And Margaret, and, uh, Margaret and I got married on uh, October the 10th, 1976, exactly one week after... Don and Patty McCain got married. Yeah, uh, It was a Sunday. She, as I said, grew up in a Presbyterian church, and she was attending Glen Levin Presbyterian. I was attending First Assembly of God in Hendersonville. But the one thing that we both knew was we were supposed to go to the Lord's Chapel. So October the 17th, 1976, was our first Sunday morning at the Lord's Chapel. First time we'd ever been there on Sunday morning. We'd been there a 
couple of evening services. And we knew that was where God wanted us to be. Uh, for what, we didn't know why, but we knew that's where we were supposed to be. Uh, a year later, I got a job with the Social Security Administration. And I uh, was a claims representative. And the first three years, you're a trainee, and it takes it. It takes three years to get through all that stuff. And, but you get some pretty hefty pay increases every year. And by the time uh, I got my last step out of being a trainee, uh, I could afford to support us if we stayed on a nice tight budget. And that was nice because Isaac was born a couple of months later. It's just God's blessing. Timing just worked. For the next couple of years, I worked there. And, and, if you're, and after those trainee years, the pay increases become very incremental, just tiny little bitty pay increases. And... Uh, if you want to advance, you've got to move to different positions. And to move to different positions, you've got to be willing to move. You've got to be willing to transfer, go somewhere else. That was never an option for us. And the reason it was never an option was I didn't know if I was going to spend the rest of my life working for Social Security. I figured I would. I didn't know if that was what I was going to do or not, but I did know we were supposed to be at the Lord's Chapel. That was the only, that, we, we both knew that for certain. And so I never put in for anything to transfer, never put in for anything to go. And what, a, what an incredible blessing that ended up being in my life. Such a, I wouldn't be standing here if it hadn't been for that because that's where I went into the ministry. A couple of, couple of years later, they said, you know, would you like to be our youth pastor? Yeah, heck yeah, I want to be a youth pastor. Yeah, this is what God has for me here. Uh, for sure. And then, and then after that, they were very instrumental in supporting us and getting us to Zimbabwe. And, you know, we wouldn't have gone and lived in Zimbabwe. And none of this would have happened if we hadn't stayed there. Here's the thing. That was the course of wisdom that God had for our lives. That was all we knew was we were supposed to be there. And I have seen so many families, so many lives just the wheels completely come off because dad got an offer with more money somewhere or sissy or bubba got put on a traveling team where you know they weren't going to be at church for the next six months but what an honor it was yeah and 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 the families would even come to me and go you know well we really hate to miss we really hate you know we really feel like this is our home You know, if, if you feel like this is home, and it's where you're supposed to be, what are you doing going some... What, uh, you know, once you know what God's will is for your life, uh, you, who's, who looks at him and goes, no, I'd rather do that. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to say, so all y'all better stay here in this church, because, no, that's not what I mean at all, because God has other plans for some of you not everybody is supposed to stay here in this church but i know there have been many who were supposed to who didn't and it it didn't work out very well because it rarely does when you know when you get something from god a direction for your life that is that is a word of wisdom that he's given to you it is a plan for how you should conduct and order and you need to order your life around that plan 
rather than discarding it when something that glitters real nice comes along. That was so good. And not necessarily easy because, well, anyway. The last one, the gift of discernment. The supernatural ability to see as God sees. This isn't intuition or experience. Both can serve you well if they're, if they're pure, but this goes beyond both of those. Uh, boy, if Adam and Eve had used this gift... <laughs> We wouldn't be in this mess now. We wouldn't be a fallen race if they had, uh, if they had used this gift. Uh, one brief example, Elijah, after he called fire down on Mount Sinai, and, and uh, not Mount Sinai, Mount Carmel, and, uh, and caused the rain to come and break the drought and all, all these things that happened. Actually, it's pretty close to the time he was getting ready to ride a chariot of fire out of here. Um, there was a king in Israel named Ahaziah, and he got sick, and he decided that he needed to find out if, if he was going to live or die. And so he sent representatives to Beelzebub to find out, and uh, Elijah met them on the way and said, Hey, guys, is there no God in Israel that you got to go find out from Beelzebub if the king's going to live or die? Uh, go tell the king, uh, I'm going to save you a trip, go tell the king he's dying He's going to die from this disease because he didn't seek God. He went after Beelzebub for information. So they go and they tell the king, and the king goes, what did this guy look like? And, and they said, well, he was kind of wild looking, and, and, and he wore animal skins and stuff. He goes, that's Elijah. <laughs> so he gets a, a, a captain with 50 men, and he says, go get Elijah and bring him to me. And the captain comes to Elijah. Elijah's sitting up on a hill. captain comes to him and says, Man of God, come down, and we're going to take you to the king. And Elijah says, if I am a man of God, then let fire fall from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. <laughs> so the king gets another captain and 50 men, and he says, you know, go and bring Elijah to me. Well, this one's got a little, a little bit more together. He goes, man of God, this is what the king says. Come down, Elijah if I am a man of God, let fire fall from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. <laughs> the king gets another captain. <laughs> this isn't an assignment that you want, is it? <laughs> Take your 50 men, go and get Elijah. And this time, this time the guy approaches Elijah and he, and he says, man of God, please. Have respect for my life and the life of these men. Would you come with us to the king? Now, you know, you might say, well, you might say, well, it's kind of splitting hairs here. Word of knowledge. Word. Now, this was discernment. The Holy Spirit told him, trust this one, go with him. It's okay. That's discernment. That's basically all, that's all that it is. He didn't know anything about it. He just knew this one's all right. You might go, well, it seems pretty obvious i mean you know he he, he approached in a such a supplemental fashion uh you ever heard of like lying yeah so he he uh he had a word that is a word of discernment now let me let me say this sometimes discernment isn't always about right and wrong what's right and what's wrong sometimes sometimes the word uh it is about right and wrong sometimes the word's crystal clear and you know what's right and wrong adultery wrong 
Mercy, right. You know, murder, wrong. Uh, forgiveness, right. Uh, those, those things are pretty simple. Uh, and sometimes you get a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, uh, but sometimes it's just simply a nudge of the Holy Spirit. And that's all you get. And you begin to realize something's not right here. Or this, this feels right. You know, this, this, this feels right. Listen to it. Listen to it. Become sensitive to it. He won't, he won't steer you wrong. Sometimes it isn't about right and wrong. Sometimes it's about what's going on around you. How, how many of you know that uh, a smile can mask sadness? Uh, bravado can mask brokenness. Sarcastic criticism can mask a scared child. And the Holy Spirit would like to give you the discernment to know what's going on. See, if you'll let him do that, he can use you to bring healing into places. He can use you to strengthen weak places. He can use you to make the, 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 the high places low and, the, and to raise the low places up. He can use you to make straight the way for the Lord. But you have to be willing to let him give you that discernment. And, and one last thing. Discernment enables us to see with the eyes of God, to see what God sees. And when we look at the alien and the stranger, to not necessarily see a threat, or somebody who's come to, you know, take over my job, or take over this country. You know, God doesn't look at anybody and see an alien. And if you, look at, if you look at the way God looks, what you might see is you might see somebody who's just like you. You might see somebody who has been trapped in a situation where their kids have absolutely no chance whatsoever and they go, I'm going to risk everything. I'll leave everything behind that I know. Friends, family, everything that's familiar, go someplace with no promise whatsoever and do whatever it takes to make life better for those that I love. Isn't that just like you? Me? Discernment gives the ability to see what God sees. And it drains out the fear. It, it drains out the prejudice. It drains out all of those things that prevent us from being instruments of His peace and His glory. And all these things are available to you and more. Would you stand with me? Y'all still love me? Okay. I'm going I'm to take that as a big yes. Silence gives consent for those who didn't say anything. <laughs> I love y'all. Those who are going to minister to people, would, would you come forward? And, and if you need prayer, 
today, would you come? Um, and you may go, man, I've prayed about that. I've had that prayed for 50 times. Well, you know, there might be something. The Holy Spirit might be going, oh, let's do 51. This might be the day. So just, just be sensitive to him. And uh, whatever you need. Wisdom, understanding, healing, restoration. Whatever you need. Altar's open. We're going to sing, I believe. And if you don't need to come, then worship for a few moments. But if you do, bring it. You are good. 
God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who sent His Son into the world to redeem us, who sent His Spirit into the world to empower us so that we might show forth His glory, so that we might bring His redemption to the ends of the earth. May that redemption be at work through you. May you have the joy of those who see the restoration of God's kingdom. In Jesus' name.